and welcome to another bonus episode of Ten Bell Pod. I am Nick, the Ahmad Rashad of Ten Bell Pod. I am joined by the Popeye Jones of Ten Bell Pod, Micah J. Loving. Fuck that. I have the real inside stuff. Nick's full of shit. And uh, the, the dependable go-to guy who's going to come in. He's going to make your team look good. He's going to put over your team. He's, he's like a Tony Ku coach. We got the man Scott Jake Batty. I'm not going to be the Willow Bay of camping with your bay. Like, <laughs> get out of here. See, now I've gotten the rhythm of things, and now I'm better at it than you. So <laughs> you you can't drop a Mod Rashad and not have a Willow Bay reference. It just <laughs> can't be done legally. Now all I can think of is Tony Kukoc's weird left-handed three-pointer. God, that was yeah. fucking ugly. <laughs> all right, um... Shit, what are we doing? We're uh, back for another <laughs> Rushmore episode. Let's just not fuck around. We'll get right into it. We're going to do our Rushmore of High Flyers, a.k.a. Flippy Shit. Jake Manning, you got to start it with your honorable mention. Um, honorable mentions, uh, I'm going to throw in some guys that kind of underneath the radar a, a little bit. And also, to keep in mind, once you start hearing about Rushmore's, it's going to be very debatable, but I think Rushmore should cover eras to an extent. It's a guy who defined an era of high flying in this era and a guy who defined it here. So it's going to be very debatable because you could do your high flyers very top heavy. And my honorable mentions are very top heavy to an extent. I think the young bucks, the only reason I put the young bucks as an honorable mention when it comes to high flyers is like, I think they're really more tag teams. Like if the young bucks were one person, they would for sure be on this list. I, I think it's only the only reason they fit in honorable mention for High Flyer is because it, it's separated over two to an extent where I think the thing that makes them incredible is their chemistry together. Um, but if they were one person, they would obviously be on it. Um, also, too, a guy that I think gets lost in the shuffle, and I think he's going to get lost in the shuffle of time as far as High Flyers go, is uh, and also, too, because of timing, but I'll tell you what, he was as good as anybody that's ever done it. Matt Seidel. People are going to yeah. forget about yeah. how good he is, but he was he was Will Ospreay before Will Ospreay. And if he came around today, he'd be just as big as him. He'd be just as big as deal. And he was he was pushing the, the sport forward and doing some of the most inventive and creative things that I've ever seen before. And he was doing stuff well before ricochet and, and any anybody else um also too another honorable mention i think you need to throw in a luchador i think you need to throw in somebody like uh a santo as far as like eras go i think he well represents the idea of a high flyer and kind of encompasses that i think traditionally you really need to have someone like him as a high flyer I have a bunch of other Japanese guys, but I think they're there's they're a bit more mat based than high flying. Um, so I'm not going to necessarily put them in the category of honorable mentions. But I don't want to glaze over obviously a, a lot of other guys that are fantastic. But I do want to lump them all together. A lot of anybody from like the Super J Cup era and even a little bit further back. But uh, I, that's as far as I'm going to go with that honorable honorable mentions. When I think of flippy shit, high flyers, to me, it's like watching Cirque du Soleil or something. I, I like to see the guys who make me go, wow, what the fuck was that? Like, it's just impressive, death-defying, innovative stuff. So uh, my honorable mention, I'm going to go Jack Evans, Paul London, Liger, 
Otomo Dragon. I'll throw AJ Styles and Kenny Omega in there. And John Morrison. John Morrison needs to get more love from the fucking smarky internet <laughs> community. John Morrison is the shit. All right. For my honorable mentions, I was trying to pick between two of them, but I guess you guys said a bunch, so that made it easy for me. Uh, when I got back into wrestling, early Ring of Honor days, when I would buy all their DVDs and start from the first show, The Amazing Red and Jody Fleisch were two dudes who were doing stuff, even as well-watched as I was being a nerd and watching all types of stuff from Mexico and Japan. Just seeing the Code Red that Amazing Red would do, the way he would bounce around and balance himself and shit. He did a spot probably six months ago. Jake posted the clip on his page of Amazing Red still doing gravity-defying crazy stuff that just blew me away. Amazing Red and then Jody Fleisch. If you've never seen his 720 spinning DD, springboard DDT, he, he usually fucked it up because it was one of the most ambitious high spots just to link together to make everybody uh, become cohesive and make that move work. But Jody Flash's 720 DDT and all the other stuff he did, even when he botched, it was almost impressive. But those two early Ring of Honor days really made me go, wow, man. Man, Spencer brought me a cupcake and I can't eat it because that's like podcast etiquette rule number one, not to eat on air. But I'm probably going to eat this cupcake. See, what you do is like Jake's about to give his uh, first one. You go in the bathroom, you eat that fucker real quick, <laughs> and then you come back. Oh, but, but I want I want Nick to be here and listen to this. Go ahead and eat that cupcake, Nicholas. <laughs> let, let him get started because I, I want him to have a mouthful of cupcake when I explain to him that I, Jake Manning, and putting on my Mount Rushmore of high flyers, AJ. Uh, no, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, do it. Uh, Grove Sr. I actually, when I made this list, I had AJ on there and then I looked at it again today and I go, yeah, I can't fucking do that. I, so I crossed <laughs> AJ off. AJ's in my honorable mention. But I think Chavo Guerrero was senior because, like I said, eras are important. Chavo Guerrero was senior. LA 70s nobody was better nobody was better he was doing stuff in America that nobody else was doing just absolutely incredible and even when I wrestled him in Dallas in the mid 2000s like 2007 2008 I can't remember when I wrestled Chavo wow. Guerrero senior you wrestled was, Chavo senior yeah, so I was like insane. what the fuck yeah and, and there's a great story too he called a lot of it out there. It was a tag match. And I think it was him and his student, Rudy Russo, and another one of his students was tagging with me. And he never told me what movie he was going to do to me. He would tell me, like, front roll, you know, arm drag bump. He just knew how to explain to me in the moment the things that he was doing. It, it was just this next level of calling it out there with... Uh, maneuvers that I wasn't even sure he was doing to me. Like we rolled around and he said the finish was going to be a hurricanrana if I didn't fuck anything up. But if I fucked something up, it was going to be a small package. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing. The whole match, he's calling it and it doesn't make any sense of normal psychology. Like it wasn't until like halfway home that I was like thinking about the match. Like, man, that match didn't make any sense. And then I started thinking about it and thinking about it. And all of a sudden I go, oh, fuck, this made so much more sense. I get the story of the match now. Like it was like the drive back home. I finally figured out what he was trying to do. But I always kind of like felt a little bit off. But then I got really comfortable and kind of 
he made me feel comfortable, made me like really tuned in. And then I started to get a little relaxed and comfortable. He gave me a European uppercut. Gave me a really solid one, and I was trying to sell it all big, and I, I wound back, and then I was wound back forward. But I made such a big deal, and I moved so fast. He was already still leaning in from the uppercut that when I leaned back in, because he said, uh, uppercut, go to the finish. Take the uppercut, her Karana. So I was trying to sell the, the uppercut really big, so that way when he gets the Rana, it makes sense for that. But like I said, when I leaned back in, his head was still there because he wasn't moving as fast as I was because he wasn't excite- as excited as I was. And I accidentally bumped his head, <laughs> almost like an accidental headbutt. And he goes, sorry, kid, and then small package <laughs> <made>. <laughs> <laughs> You were right it, at the finish line, and someone just went right by you at the end. Uh, yep, and uh, I got to the back, and I apologized, and he goes, oh, it's cool, man. What's that? You know, and he talked to me a little bit in the back, and it was just this really, really cool moment. So the fact that I wrestled Chavo Guerrero Jr. Damn. A couple years after that, um, I think that that's pretty interesting that I wrestled senior and junior, both on just these random indie shows, one of them in Dallas, Texas, and the other one in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. So, uh, yeah. And I think there was, like, articles about Chavo, like, they call him the million-dollar baby because he was the guy that promoters would pay a million dollars for because he was such an incredible high flyer. He could go to Japan and keep up with all of their, their juniors. And then he could come to America and, and just be absolutely incredible. Like if you were a good post for him and he could go to Mexico, he was like before super J cup where you had these guys that could go to Japan, Mexico and America and adapt the style and still do the same high flying stuff with multiple different opponents with multiple different skill sets. Like he was like that one of that, first guys at the forefront of it and uh, i think a lot of people forget that that cupcake was very good what was, uh, sorry what was it what was it though what flavor it was like it was like peanut butter and jelly it's fucking crazy Whoa. it was like jelly in the middle all right um so high flyers <laughs> this is the newest one to my list and, and i'll set this up by there are certain once in a lifetime freak fucking athletes like you know your bo jackson's your lebron james's ricochet man i was an adult when i first discovered ricochet and i felt like a little fucking kid watching him wrestle again because my mind was so goddamn blown at everything he fucking did when it's all said and done he may be the greatest high flyer it's just the shit he thinks of and the shit that he can physically do it it doesn't make sense He's also on mine too, so you go ahead and scratch it off. You already got two of mine. He's on my list too. Um, ditto, basically, and also too. Like I said, eras are important. I think he's the guy going forward. I think he's the guy currently. When I talk about people doing like crazy stuff, like when you know when I told people I got a bad knee, and I'm like, well, you know, I could still do most of the stuff that I did before, but it's not like I'm doing, not like I'm ricochet. You know, like he's that exaggerated example of just insane crazy stuff and yeah i think he's the guy going forward and could be one of the best of all time so i mean you could probably maybe make a case that will osprey fits in that spot but i i think ricochet is really the guy in my opinion so i wholeheartedly agree all right my first actual head on the rushmore i'm giving it to old ray mysterio I'm going to go with Ray because so much is important to me is just times in my life when I just got into wrestling and how much they blew me away. And just Ray's matches, 
WCW '96 '97, his his short little ECW run where he got a five star match out of ECW against Juventud, where you know he got power bombed on a fucking car and then did a Huron Conrada off of that. I mean Ray's match with Eddie at Halloween Havoc. Just one of the most impressive moves to me will always be the springboard Huron Conrada. The fluidity, the the poetry on that motherfucker when it works in slow motion, it just blew me away. And Ray's just ability or to cut down on the amount of botches that he would have for the risks that he would take. Sabu, you know, is jealous as shit of forever. So yeah, I'm going good old Ray Mysterio on my Mount Rushmore. And Ray's on mine too. So that's yep. that's three of my four have already been said. And I wholeheartedly agree in the way that Nick described Ricochet is the thing that you saw, like that's what Ray was to me. I got introduced to Ray in WCW and his matches with Dean Malenko, yeah. which are just absolutely incredible. When you can get a guy who's like a traditional base, like a wrestler's wrestler taking on a high flyer, it's usually magic. Like one of my favorite AR Fox matches is him versus Bobby Fish. It's an incredible match. It's from an Evolve show in Florida. Go seek that out. I think I wrestled John Silver uh, earlier in the show that night, so... But don't watch my match, even though my match is pretty good on that show. Go check out AR Fox versus Bobby Fish because it is that same type of style. But, you know, his matches with Dean Malenko was the thing that really turned me on to him. And then, of course, him wrestling other high flyers. But then as I started to work with high spots and started going through the videotape library of his stuff that he did in Mexico, just unbelievable, incredible. Like his matches with Psychosis, just Un- unbelievable, ridiculous, the chances he would take, that he just went out and executed all of these moves was just incredible. He watched the World Collide pay-per-view. He becomes a star yeah. in that night, and it's just I- incredible. Like, very early Ray is second to none. Uh, a lot of the guys on this list will probably agree, like Ricochet would agree with that. Um, a lot of guys we mentioned in the honorable mentions would totally agree that Ray raised the man, and He's doing some stuff now that's very reminiscent of his earlier life. He's really, you know, worked on getting a little bit smaller and toned up and worked on his flexibility and he could still pull off a move or two like that. So I, the fact that he's been able to stand the test of time and come back and get kind of this resurgence now and then how good he was early in his life, I I think it just makes him complete and should have been the first person we discussed on here, but I wanted to mess with Nick right off the bat. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, he's, he's the third on mine. Ray Mysterio Jr., also on my list. No one has done it longer or better or at the highest levels. I mean, he's on, what, 30 years in at this point? Yeah. Most high flyers get, lucky high flyers get like a solid decade, maybe. And Ray's still doing it. Still amazing. I, I feel very fortunate I got to watch him live at the High Spot Super Show. That was like a dream come true. Think of Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, his in-ring stuff is legendary. Also, sidebar, you have any details on that kid from AR Fox's school that got in trouble for all the racist shit? I have no <laughs> no background on him whatsoever. Yeah. I saw the video before yeah. I knew that was from his school, but I saw the video and I go, who thought that was a good fucking idea? Like, yeah. that, that seems like the worst thing that you could ever fucking do, ever. Like, that makes... No fucking sense. And don't get me wrong, I'm a comedian. I play bad guy wrestler sometimes, and I like to, I li- like, I'll admit, I like to be a little too edgy sometimes for my own good, and I may cross over that line, and I have a couple <laughs> of times. But that video, 
no fucking way, no fucking how, on any fucking planet should that ever fucking happen. Yeah. Wow, I haven't ever. seen this. I'm pretty intrigued. And, and there's there's a lot of things online that when people are like, oh, they get outraged about, I, and I'll see it, I go, um, okay, I see what you're doing. You should have had some more thought and not done that. But that this video, oh, no, there's no thought put into that whatsoever. That's horrible. All right, Micah, shoot out your second one. For number two, I'm going to another childhood favorite when he made me say, holy shit, and I'm doing all Mr. 420, Rob Van Dam. Rob's flippy shit was just, he was flippy in ways that was totally unneeded. And that's what <laughs> made him fun to watch at times. Just like the rolling thunder, the way he would do that, the corkscrew leg drops, the shit that was that was showy, but then it, it mixed into his very arrogant character so that it actually made sense in a way I kind of respected and appreciated. And then, I mean, the height that he got on the five-star frog splash. Rob had that no-fear fucking quality that you knew he would do almost anything, and you you were the please-don't-die chant. I mean, the the dive that he takes onto Bam Bam Bigelow... That side profile shot where he leaps off the top rope into the fucking crowd and cuts a flip and then just disappears into this sea of people. I mean, it's one of the best highlight, high-flying shots ever, I think. I mean, it, it, it never fails to blow me the fuck away. Rob just always made me have fun watching wrestling and always pray for his safety. Yeah, RVD is, uh, is awesome. Should have probably put him on my honorable mentions. But, uh, all right, I'll throw out my next one. Pac, a.k.a. Neville, a.k.a. the man Gravity forgot. Very similar to Ricochet. I remember seeing him for the first time on some PWG DVDs and just being like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, I couldn't tell a blind person what he just did. Like, I couldn't explain it. The way he, like, contorts and moves his body while flying through the air is just... It's unmatched. It's fucking bananas. I had Pac on my honorable mentions. His uh, matches with El Generico and PWG were my early go-to, like, you gotta fucking see this match type yeah. stuff. I think they had a two out of three falls match and just Generico's crazy selling and Pac. And, I mean, it was another thing of, like, they're doing this stuff that is so ambitious and they're not fucking up. And that's what makes it even more amazing. Well, also, too, pa or Pac, or however he pronounces it, how muscle bound he is and yeah. his ability to move in that way. I think that is the incredible thing. I remember going to Dragon Gate shows in Canada and seeing him do it live. And it's just unbelievable to watch. Like it's just incredible, incredible. But uh, like I said, arrows are important. And I think this guy, if he would have been around long enough, would have been the guy that basically bridged the gap from, Chavo Sr. to Rey Mysterio, but his career kind of ended abruptly, and you could say he's a bit of a flash in the pan, but much in the same sense of, of Gail Sayers be, being able to go into the NFL Hall of Fame with such a short career, because Gail Sayers, at the time that he was at his best, nobody was even close and rarely have you seen anything as good as that was during that short period of time. Like you look at highlights of Gale Sayers, it's unbelievably ridiculous and you could not believe what you were seeing. And the same exact thing could be said and applied to Tiger Mask. Yeah. Such a short window, 
but the stuff that he was doing at the time that he was doing it and the atmosphere that he was doing it, I mean, the idea of Super Juniors in Japan was was not really a thing until he came along. Before him and Dynamite Kid had the matches that they had, you wouldn't have Super J Cup. You wouldn't have that whole just laundry list of amazing smaller wrestlers. You wouldn't have a Dragon Gate USA. You wouldn't have a Michinoku. You wouldn't have all of these things. They would not exist. It would just be, you know, Anoki or whatever his student is or Mieda or Fujinami and very traditional wrestlers taking on Americans. That's what Japanese wrestling would be if it wasn't for somebody like Tiger Mask. And then how that ripple effect affected the rest of the world just unbelievable nobody was better during his time and rarely have you seen anybody be that good for any amount of time at at any moment in time just unbelievable incredible wish we got a few more years but still he was that exceptional that he deserves a place on my mount rushmore all right micah who's your next um we're going to one you put in your honorable mentions i got jack evans Getting back into Ring of Honor around 2007, hearing all this shit about Brian Danielson and stuff, and then watching the card, it was uh, Danielson versus Kenta, but then Jack Evans was on a prelim match, and just, it was that shit where you think he's gonna do one flip and do it, but then he does that extra torque or that extra flip, or that extra little something you've never seen, where you realize wrestling has evolved past where you last watched it. And it was, Jack was just that death-defying, yet again, man that you really feared for. I mean, he, he did the quadruple or triple moonsault off the top of the cage. And so I think it was Ring of Honor, Steel Cage Warfare. That shit was bonkers. The way his selling, I think, counts for the flippy shit. Because the way he would sell would be like Stretch Armstrong, where he would just throw himself all over the place and look like a bendy man. The man put that extra little spin to make you say, I've never seen that before. And more so than RVD, I don't see how he's alive. I'm glad Jack Evans is alive. Last one on my list. I mean, an innovator, a legend. It's a goddamn shame. He didn't get to do it longer. Hayabusa. Just the Phoenix Splash to to pull that out of your mind and, and, and to just try that, you know? Hayabusa definitely on my list for for high flyers. All right, well, this might be my number one, and the fact he hasn't been brought up kind of fucking blows me away. I'm going with Too Cold Scorpio. Too Cold was a dude that, I mean, what did he not do? He did the 450, gorgeous. Uh, he would just do random flips into the ring, into splashes. The tumbleweed, the moonsault leg drop, I mean, he was doing this shit early 90s on WCW TV, Flash Funk, mid-90s, WWF stuff. I think Scorpio will always be fucking underrated, man. He will never get the respect he deserves. And plus, he did it all with, you know, swagger and fucking style, man. He did this stuff that required so much concentration and danger, and he made it look fucking effortless. And he, he was just the coolest dude, and he did the coolest shit, and I just... Too Cold needs to be brought up more in general, but, I mean, he's a true innovator bringing in all types of flippy shit. So that is High Flyer Flippy Shit. Let's move on to your all-time women's wrestlers. Micah, you start with your honorable mentions. All right, honorable mentions, I'm going good old China. 
she got so much reaction. China was just another one of those figures that commanded a presence, and you were always you always wanted to see what the hell China was gonna do. So I got China. Let's go, Luna Vashon. And I know they're technically a tag team, but Jumping Bomb Angels, I fucking love them. Yep. I'll throw Asuka up there. And as far as her influence on the business, Sunny. No Sable, Nick? Okay. What about her influence? That was pretty big. <laughs> Fuck you, no. Okay. Well, with that case, honorable mention Sable. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of her influence on the business. But uh, I got a lot of honorable mentions. Uh, I even crossed out. Like somebody in slithering down an honorable mention. Um, I got Victoria, Sherry Martell, Medusa, Lita, Trish, um, Aja Kong. I, I had Victoria and also to Becky Lynch. Now we may edit that down the road, but I think Becky is a strong promo. She is a star. I don't know if she's had that breakout match yet or that quality rival yet. Maybe there's a, a bigger rivalry with her and Charlotte down the road or Sasha or somebody that's she's already kind of feuded with a little bit. This female version of Stone Cold doesn't have her female version of The Rock. And once you figure that out, I think once we do this list again, I think you would slide Becky Red in there because I don't, I don't think there's enough quality opponents yet to give her the moments that she needs to be an even bigger star than what she is right now and, I, and i'd like to see a little bit more that way instead of it being because right now i think we're still very much in the sensation part and i think she has the ability to do something incredible and fantastic but she's going to need a good dancing partner and if they figure that out she'll be number one on everybody's list for a very long time all right micah you start us off all right i'm gonna go with Good old Sherry Martell, who Jake mentioned. I mean, she was a wrestler, and then, I mean, just the fact that her managing skills as well, man. Just everything about her. She showed she had mic skills. She beat fucking Moolah for the belt, so immediately she gets tons and tons of points for that. Just Sherry could do it all, man. That's, yeah, that's all I can really say on Sherry. She was the Renaissance woman. I also have Sherry, and, you know, obviously, what are the groups? in-ring managers just people in pro wrestling uh one of the best ever but uh i'm gonna throw china on my rushmore just doing things no woman has ever done or has done since at least in wwe i mean she was legitimately badass like uh, she looked like a physical fucking threat and she was she had great runs with dx with eddie yeah, China is definitely one of the goats. I think maybe the best way to do this for me is maybe go by eras. Uh, I'll do this chronologically, and I think if we're going to do that, then the person you put on here, she's not going to be popular. I tried to cross her off, but I don't think you can. Mildred Burke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, fabulous Moolah. <sighs> I think you have to put her on the female wrestling Mount Rushmore, even though... Once you see my second selection in chronological order, it'll make a, a little bit more sense. Uh, basically, she held back professional wrestling, female professional wrestling. Uh, but at the same time, too, uh, she contributed to it greatly and shaped it and formed it. So 
despite what she allegedly may have done and what she did do, I don't think you can take her off. She's just got to be there, and we have to recognize that some people on our regular route, Mount Rushmore, were slave owners too. So, boom. That's a fair point, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't. I don't like it either. I I crossed it out and then wrote it down again. I, I, you can't get around it. It's a fact. I I thought about her and tried to balance if the horrible things she did for women's wrestling was equal or greater or less than the good things she did. And man, she's a coin flip to me, but I can't, I get it. I get why she has to be there. You know? Yeah. For me, it's just all about, Oh, this is my Mount Rushmore. This is objective. Okay, cool. Fuck Mula. All right. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Mike, you're next. Um, we are going to go with another manager slash wrestler. We're going to go with Luna. Doing the research for our episode that we did on Luna, which you should check out, it really made me appreciate the shit out of her even more than I did. Her promo, where she cuts the heavy metal promo in WWF, is legitimately one of the mo- the best things I've ever found doing research and one of my favorite promos ever. Shit gave me goosebumps. She could fucking work her ass off when she had to. She was committed to the look. People might not know wrestling, but when they see... They might even see Luna, but they don't know her name, but they're like, oh, shit, it's her. It's the equivalent to you're watching a movie, and it's like, oh, it's that guy. I know that guy. That guy's good. It's the same way with Luna. People are like, oh, that that chick's fucking crazy. She does all types of shit. But uh, just Luna's character, how committed she was to it, it's another one where she just seemed like she was the rabid mad dog that she was. And then she gave um, Stevie Richards the testicular claw inside of a steel cage, and it's one of my favorite (laughs) images ever. So, Luna fucking Vachon. I I barely nudged Luna off my list for China, and it's it's like no fault of Luna's. Basically, the way she got booked. Like, she never reached the heights of China, so it's like, I gotta give China the nudge, even though it's all kayfabe, they were as talented, or even better than, but... Uh, Luna's Luna's on my honorable mention, but I can't argue with her being anyone's Rushmore. My next one is going to be if you could combine a a Sable and a Sunny, and then give her a ton of in ring ability too, and, and work ethic and, and decent mic skills. Trish Stratus, she is a icon from her era, and uh, one of definitely will never be forgotten. Will always be remembered and cherished for several reasons and at times she deserved better than how she was treated uh during her run but definitely one of those lazy wwf we're gonna bring in a fitness model and who gives a fuck what they do she took that role and became a really great wrestler and a great women's champion and uh trish is the best i mean yeah she's my honorable mention i'd like to put her on my Rushmore, and I think she would deserve it. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm very conflicted on that, but I'm gonna. It'll it'll be it'll become a little more clear. I think I, I got I got a good defense and why I put somebody in over her to cover her era. So, um, if we're ready for for my next one, um, like I said, eras are important, and obviously we started with Mula, and then. You know, it makes you think that, like, this woman will represent the late 80s, early 90s. Well, because of Moolah's action, she probably slowed the growth of female professional wrestling, and at least in America. So that's why this, uh, my second pick in chronological order for Women's Mount Rushmore, uh, we go all the way to Japan, uh, Minami Toyota. 
She is unbelievable. Some would argue she's one of the best wrestlers of all time. She is incredible. People have just started giving her a little bit of Twitter love and put some gifts of her out there. I did a f- three five disc sets on her, and every one of those matches are just absolutely incredible. She was one of the top stars in the early 90s, All Japan Women, which some argue is some of the best professional wrestling of all time. It just the move sets and the fluidity, and these girls have trained with each other for so long. And she was the best of all of them. She's incredible. And I think she represents that late 80s, early 90s uh, better than anybody else. I had Manami on my list as well. Uh, Jake, yeah, Jake said it so well. When I was getting hardcore into tape trading and every once in a while you just you hear people talking about shit or certain matches keep popping up and you're like, what is this? So your curiosity peaks just based on it constantly being put on compilations or best ofs. And when you finally like get into Manami Toyota, just the flexibility of her, the spirit, the emotion that they fought with, it made you care so fucking much about the matches. The ambition on her fucking moves and the balls that she would just no hand jump onto the top rope, springboard, swanton through a table, the spot she would take. Uh, Chris Hero posted, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, how, and I'm a huge Chris Hero, Mark, and he just made a post like, is Manami Toyota one of the greatest in-ring performers of all time? And it was one of those moments where you're just alone in the room, and you're like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. It was almost like this weird validation of just being like, yes, Manami Toyota is amazing. I'm glad more people know about her. I mean, she puts on, there's a 45-minute draw. They have hour-long matches, and they there's no rest hold really segments if they do it's submission holds that are making you grimacing and pain the entire time they are running full blast her her drop kick is one of the best drop kicks ever she would get straight up fucking horizontal on your screen and just barrel into people she just blew me away she's i think she has i think she has like 12 Meltzer five-star matches which whatever fucking blah 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 but that gives you an idea of the quality that she would put in she has two five-star matches on the same card uh, yeah, she's a fucking beast. She needs to be appreciated more. I love her to fucking death. I even have a saved search feature on eBay for Manami Toyota in case any weird nerd shit pops up at a reasonable price I can buy. I love the fuck out of her. I'm, it, t- it makes me happy that Jake put her on there too. If she's, she's definitely on a Mount Rushmore. The only reason she isn't for someone is if they haven't actually checked out all her amazing shit. Yeah, I can uh, back you up on that. I've definitely seen her in passing and uh, seen a lot of her matches. And the only reason I, I would have felt like a poser if I put her on my Mount Rushmore just because <laughs> I have such a glaring hole in no, my no, yeah, Jap- Japan stuff. But yeah, fuck it. She could go. Well, my third, and this is this is where it, it gets a little bit controversial. <laughs> Because I should put in Trish to represent this spot, like the late 90s, early 2000s, and even into the mid-2000s. But I just, as much as I love Trish, and as much as I love Trish as a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy, (laughs) I gotta go with Mickey James. Okay. Wow. Because all she ever wanted was to be a wrestler. Like, she wasn't a fitness model that had the ability to get into professional wrestling. She came in. She wanted to be a wrestler. And also, too, 
She represents a, a time and an era when female wrestlers like basically had to drive eight, nine hours to find another female wrestler that loved wrestling as much as they did. And they were willing to do it. And when she was like Alexis Lurie, any way she could get in a ring and wrestle another, another woman, she would like, she even wrestled for dangerous women of wrestling, which basically was just a bunch of like exotic dancers that did oil wrestling. And she would wrestle female wrestlers like GI Ho and Brittany to schoolgirl. And she would have these matches with these women who were not dedicated to the craft. And she would craft a match and make them look good and do a fantastic job of putting together those matches just so she could wrestle another girl. And and of an era of a time that, you know, I've heard many a times of a, of female wrestlers having to wrestle a girl in the, in the concession stand who had, had three training sessions and only know how to do satisfaction. And girls like Mickey would find a way to have a match with these women and loved wrestling. And when they found another woman that loved wrestling as much as they did, they just glommed on them right away and, and did whatever they could. And she came up and like Mickey came into the WWE at the weirdest possible time, but also the best possible time and was able to wrestle someone like Trish as Trish was hitting her strides. And she kept up every bit, if not up Trish's game. And she did that with multiple people. And she was wrestling the lay cools of the world, diva search girls and, and making them look good and putting on great matches. But when she would wrestle someone like a Victoria and the times that she mixed it up with girls in the knockouts division, like just proved that she could still go and still do her thing. And then she's still wrestling today. She's bridged that gap to the female wrestlers today. She's definitely a dark horse candidate on the Rushmore, but I think she's more than qualified. And the resume that I laid out, I think, backs up her place on this Rushmore. Yeah, Mickey, uh, I think I missed a big chunk of Mickey's run. Same. And I, I don't, I think that's why she's never been on my radar. She has this big following of like really passionate fans that, that really put her over. I just again another person probably just not familiar. Yeah, I just missed I've missed a lot of her. So, so I have Sherry China Trish so far. Let me tell you, plebs, you you salty, ungrateful, undeserving of her goddamn presence on this earth, motherfuckers. Why Charlotte Flair is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. Oh, my God. Where do I even start? All right. Here we go. CBS Sports Match of the Year 2018. Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Feud of the Year 16. Rookie of the Year 14. Woman of the Year 16. Ranked number one top 50 female wrestlers in the world 2016. NXT, two-time champion. Divas champion, one time. Raw champion, four times. SmackDown, five times. Charlotte Flair, after decades of... WWE throwing women's wrestling in the fucking trash can Charlotte Flair walked up to that trash can and compacted it so much that she turned it into a fucking diamond and, and, and saved women's wrestling she is a phenomenal mic worker she is one of the best if not the best I know Toyota yada 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 and ring worker of all time it is insane that she gets so much hate. I know she's getting booked to as a Super Cena type thing, but fuck you. She deserves it. 
by the end of her run, assuming uh, everything she'll be stays healthy and pro wrestling actually keeps going, she'll break Ric Flair's record. She'll be the greatest, most decorated champion of all time. Bow down to the goddamn queen, you fucking marks. Charlotte Flair, number one. I am surprised that you were able to give that entire diatribe about another woman while your girlfriend is just walking <laughs> in and out of that room. You are the bravest man I know. Like, I... There's no no way that I'd ever be allowed to gush that much about another woman in the presence of any previous <laughs> lover I've ever had. But at the same time, too, I can't disagree with a lot of points that you have. Uh, she is she is the last one on my Rushmore, and she rounds off, like they said, eras. I think she represents this current era. Her match at this last WrestleMania, I think, was the best best traditional wrestling match on this <laughs> Good, recent yeah. WrestleMania. Uh, the, I, Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard yeah, are yeah. the two best matches. Good personifier. Sure. Traditional. But her match w- with Ripley is incredible. It tells a story. There's an expert level of psychology to it. Um, she's just she is just absolutely 100% incredible. Um, I hate to use this qualifier that she's just not the best female wrestler. She's probably one of the best wrestler wrestlers they have on the, in the entire roster. She's definitely the thing that makes me tune in because I want to see what she's doing. And it's not because like I've met her a couple of times or like, oh, you know, her, her dad's Ric Flair. I'm like, no, she's just that unbelievably good and incredible. Such a big fan. I think she's very dedicated to her craft and she strives to be the best and it shows in her work. Yeah, you talked about the online hate for her because it's like Cena. Well, Cena wasn't this good. I God mean, damn, bro. I, I, I like Big Match John, and when he has it and he's open to it, and Cena's wrestled one of the best matches I've ever seen, top five, him versus Shawn Michaels on an episode of Raw that happened overseas. It's top five, one of the best matches I've ever seen. He definitely has earned that honor, so I'm not trying to knock on Cena. But Charlotte Flair consistently time and time again she's she's the best i can't as far as this modern era i don't think anybody's even even close and just to troll nick i'm gonna say according to webster's dictionary nepotism is defined as fuck you yeah it was an easy (laughs) troll it was an easy troll but it worked you got one more micah we are staying in all japan women's jake mentioned her in his honorable mansions but asia kong holy fuck Manami Toyota, if you don't know her, she's a very petite, young little lady who can beat the shit out of you. But if she needs the perfect foil, she needs a gigantic beast of a woman who will legitimately backfist you so hard you go unconscious and fall to the fucking mat. That's Asia fucking Kong. She put in so many damn good matches. I can't remember how many five-star matches she has. But she was another one that, like, when you had the big, scary heel who could also work and that you bought wholeheartedly could whoop your ass afterwards was asia and she was just the face paint the kind of the punk rock look to her don't confuse her with bull nakano because she's the one with the mohawk but asia kong i just i I, part of me just wants to put over all japan women's so much more because it was a time when i was just watching 
tape after tape, and then you get All Japan Women's, and then my friend Mitch is like, you're fucking watching Japanese women's wrestling from the late 80s? What the fuck are you doing? And I just got, dude, this stuff's amazing. You don't understand. It's a tag team match in a cage, and they're jumping off the top of the cage. But um, I just, I mean, Asia, Manami, Asia deserves to be in there. I could mention, I mean, Lioness Asuka, uh, I'm going to butcher these, Akira Hakuto, Chigusa Nagoya, um, Koyoko Inoue, um, I mean, they, so many fucking of these women are so fucking good and they put on some of the best matches, but Asia, she was a good, she separated herself and was that true monster heel that really defined a good feud and a good look. She, she's fucking amazing. Look her up too. So yep. All Japan women's big time and Asia Kong hardcore. All right. Well, that is our second part of our rush more of wrestling. Let's see. Coming up. We, we still got to get to big men. We got to get to in-ring performers, tag teams, announcers, managers, goats, comedy, so many more to get to. So uh, hopefully you like this little series we're putting together. And um, I don't know. We'll see you next time. Bow down to the fucking queen, you marks. Yeah, Manami Toyota, bitch. <laughs> Hey there, guys. It's the Man Scout, Jake Manning, and I'm just encouraging you guys to donate to the Ten Bell Pod Patreon. Unless you're a guy who beat Goldberg at WrestleMania in an empty arena match, and you can tell us F off for having a Patreon page. But I'll tell you what, if you're one of those people, fine, be one of those people. But if you also be one of those people like, oh, I don't really have enough to contribute, I gotta hang on to every dollar I can, be one of those people too. But if you have it, if you can spare it, if you want to get in on some very exclusive, interesting bonus content, as well as uh, certain tiers where you get a high spot surprise, which, hey, high spots might not be a company for very much longer. So I might be shipping out a collector's item to you. So jump onto the Patreon. It is uh, Patreon 10 Bell Pod. Look it up. Find it. It's real easy. It's there. It exists. It's going to be around. Maybe my main source of income. So please jump on that immediately.